Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm here today with Charlene Jadeva, workplace relations consultant. Together we make up the bargaining team for the dental therapy agreement. So the purpose of this week's podcast is to take members through a briefing to support the implementation of the dental therapist, dental hygienist and oral health therapist replacement agreement for our public sector members. So in terms of a recap on how we got here, um, which is really talking about what people will need to implement, it's a formal one-year agreement, which is a rollover, and it will expire on the 30th of April 2023. Uh, Shalini, could you provide a bit more of a deep, in-depth summary about, I guess, how we've got to this point, what's taken us to this point? Yeah, of course. Um, so after consultation uh, with members, Department of Health and CPSU, uh, the secondary pathway rollover agreement was approved by government on the 22nd of September 2022 for a 2% wage and allowance increase on the first full pay period on or after 1st of May 2022. Um, in total, it took two meetings with the CPSU and Department of Health in the month of August. Uh, we also had a reference group meeting on the 19th of August to provide feedback on the proposed outcome. Uh, we then proceeded to do a costings process um, and then the proposed agreement was lodged with government and the outcome was approved by government on the 25th of September 2022. The ballot period was from the 16th of October 2022 to 27th of October 2022. We had approximately 27% of the workforce vote, 82.93% uh, of valid votes were yes votes. On the 28th of October 2022, the agreement was lodged. Um, it is currently being reviewed by the Fair Work Commission, but it might be approved before this podcast has been issued to members. So in terms of resources that we've done to help people with implementation when it comes to that point, what have we done so far or what's available? Yeah, so we've issued Bulletin 2827 on Friday the 28th of October 2022, um, and this included a draft salary circular 823 and a draft implementation guide. Uh, the implementation guide is a document that we have completed, uh, which highlights the changes where we believe employers may need to amend uh, their practices. Um, it outlines clause references, a short change description, and a specific change, uh, specific action, and suggested responsibilities, uh, with the column which allows employers to tick it off um, as they go. Uh, the implementation guide will be used as a base for members to follow uh, the briefing in this podcast. So, getting into the detail, um, what about in Part B related to consultation, dispute resolution, and discipline? Are there what are the changes in that part? Uh, so we only had three changes uh, made in Part B. Uh, the changes um, in the implementation plan are outlined on the screen. The first change is Clause 14, which is discipline. Uh, it ensures a definition of serious misconduct, which matches uh, with the Fair Work Amendment uh, to include sexual harassment. The second change is Clause 15, Individual Flexibility Arrangement, also known as IFA. In clause 15.2e, leave loading was listed as an additional term which may be varied in an IFA, uh, which also included an additional statement at clause 15.9, which confirms except when required as per 15.5, an IFA does not require approval or consent by an additional person other than the employer and the employee. 
and clause 15.10 allows for an IFA to be terminated earlier on notice or by agreement in accordance with clause 15.8c. So then what about in relation to casual employment and casual conversion in part C of the agreement? What impact is there for casuals? Yeah, so clause 18 um, outlines casual employment. So this includes the fair work amendments to casual, um, the definition of casual employee and the three hour minimum engagement. Uh, parental leave, um, the exclusion was also deleted because some casual employees are entitled to parental leave as per the clause. Uh, the once off lump sum payment is not payable because the agreement already provides a back pay component and the public holiday entitlement ex exclusions uh, were removed because the public holiday um, clause applies to casuals um, already. Uh, clause 19, casual conversion, was updated to closely align the Fair Work Act and NES changes. Uh, the only item where there is some difference is that um, the request for casual conversion can be made by the employee at six months as opposed to 12 months. Perfect. And then what about um, wages and the key takeaway for employers with that part, D? Yeah, so as part of um, the Victorian government wages policy for a secondary pathway, uh, the agreement remuneration was increased by 2%. Uh, first full pay period on or after 1st of May 2022. Uh, so back pay is applicable. Um, as a result of a boot test change, um, the leave loading is no longer built into the salary rates and it is paid separately. Um, there was additional legislative updates to superannuation in clause 24. Uh, the reference to health super has been changed to aware super, uh, where an employee has a preferred fund, superannuation payments should be made to that stapled fund. And what about allowances in reimbursement in part three? Were there changes in that part as well? Yeah, so clause 27, uh, which is dual qualification rates, uh, they were amended to align the agreement uh, wage increases. Uh, further clause 33, uh, which is shift work, was amended where the usual shift allowance payable is $27.85, uh, which equates to 2.5% of the weekly base rate uh, for the graduate classification. Uh, the amounts payable are shown on screen, uh, which are level 1C, which is $44, 2A and 2B, which is $32, and level 3, which is $57. Uh, these were made to also reduce um, any risks of undertakings. So what about also changes incorporated for the hours of work related matters, such as like overtime, on-call, recall and higher duties? What, what changes um, in part F were introduced? Yeah, so in clause uh, 34, which was the Saturday and Sunday clause, uh, the rate for casual employees have been amended to 175% uh, per hour based on 138th of the weekly rate appropriate to employees' classifications. Uh, noting that casual loading at subclause 18.6D uh, is not payable. Health services should also note the remo removal of the clause that references work in excess of prescribed rostered hours at double time. Uh, this has been removed um, because it is a reference to overtime. Clause 35 overtime includes NES provisions regarding reasonable employer requests for overtime. Noting an employee is allowed to decline an unreasonable request for overtime. 
Amendments to the meaning of overtime included additional provisions uh, regarding part-time employees, which improves the alignment with the MOND award. Uh, the change is specifically related to overtime being payable, where the employer directs an employee to work additional hours beyond those agreed in clause 18.5b. However, the exception applies where an employee is offered to work an ordinary uh, shift as opposed to being directed by the employer. Uh, we have also amended the clause so it specifies uh, rates for full-time and part-time employees and casual employees. Uh, the table is shown on screen. Uh, so from Monday to Friday, um, we have 150% for the first two hours and 200% thereafter. On weekends, it is 200% and on a public holiday, it is 250%. Rates for casual employees. So from Monday to Friday, you have 187.5% um, for the first two hours and 250% thereafter. Uh, the weekend is 250% and public holidays 312.5%. So in terms of more changes around the overtime, what about the rest period after over, overtime that was the new clause introduced? Yeah, so that was one of the um, new provisions uh, so regarding rest period after overtime, uh, which is 10 consecutive hours off duty without the loss of pay for ordinary hours. Um, if required by an employer to work overtime, the employee must be paid 200% uh, based on 138th of the weekly wage rate appropriate to the employee's classification. Uh, no additional casual loading is payable. Um, upon being released uh, from duty, the employee is entitled to be absent without loss of pay uh, for ordinary working time occurring during their absence. Uh, this ensures the appropriate break and or compensation is paid for employees. Um, again, this is made to reduce the likelihood of undertakings. Another new provision which we introduced was meal allowance. Um, an employee is provided with an adequate meal or paid meal allowance. Um, where overtime exceeds one hour, uh, the employee will be paid $14.10. An additional payment for overtime work that exceeds four hours, they will be paid $12.71. Uh, noting that this is not payable when an employee could reasonably return home uh, for a meal break. Um, again, this is uh, made to reduce any likely likelihood of um, undertakings. And so for services where there might be on-call or recall happening in the workplace, what changes were made to Clause 36? So Clause 36, which is minimum on-call payments, outlines each 24-hour period or part thereof uh, from Monday to Saturday inclusive. Uh, so that is $22.14 per 24-hour period. And Sunday or public holidays are $44.19 per 24-hour period. Um, this was again made to reduce the likelihood of any undertakings. If the employee is required to return uh, to their workplace, minimum payment of two hours of overtime. In all other instances, a minimum of one hour's overtime will apply, uh, provided that multiple recalls within a discrete hour will not attract um, an additional payment. Uh, this again was made to reduce any risk of undertakings. And also fire duties, I think that's new as well. Yep, uh, that was a new clause, clause 37. Um, although it is new to the agreement, uh, the concept has been um, introduced in other agreements for a while. 
the clause outlines that an employee who is authorised to cover shifts of another employee who is of um, a higher classification under the agreement for a period of five or more consecutive working days will be paid for the period which they assumed such duties at not less than the minimum rate prescribed for the classification applying uh, to the employee uh, which is being relieved. This was made to reduce any risks of undertakings. There seems to be a lot of boot test changes um, going through those things. Um, what about Part G, public holidays and leave um, changes? Anything specific for public holidays employers might want to know? Yeah, so Clause 38, um, we have updated the meaning of public holiday days as determined by the NES or Victorian law, uh, including substituted or additional days. Uh, the list of public holidays are current um, as at 22nd of August 2022. We have also removed uh, the terms allowing for substitution of public holidays by agreement with majority of employees um, and ensuring it only occurs by individual agreement. Um, so this was a NES update. Uh, the public holiday rates for casual employees have been amended and the rate is 275% per hour on the weekly rate appropriate to the employee's classification. Uh, casual loading at subclause 18.6D is not applicable um, and it's again made to reduce the likelihood of any undertakings. And then what about the annual leave? Yeah, so Clause 39 um, was amended to ensure annual leave uh, loading and penalties were no longer built into um, salaries. For non-shift workers, the 17.5% leave loading uh, was subject to a cap of a level three. Uh, three. Uh, for shift workers, it's the greater of annual leave loading, which uh, just referred to as penalties. Um, for shift work, Saturday, Sunday um, penalties. A shift worker is an employee who's regularly rostered to work their ordinary hours outside the span of 6am to 6pm, Monday to Friday. Uh, changes were made to, again, reduce the uh, risk of any undertakings. Uh, so in addition to annual leave, what about any amendments to personal, compassionate or parental leave? Yeah, so there's been a few changes. Um, so in regards to personal leave, um, there were some uh, deletions in clause 43. Uh, firstly, the provision regarding in normal circumstances, uh, one employee can only take carer's leave. Uh, this was subject to an existing um, undertaking. Uh, second, the second deletion of provisions regarded absences either side of a public holiday and have been deleted as a clause before um, already requires an employee to provide reasonable evidence uh, to support their absence from work. Uh, the next change was compassionate leave. Uh, this includes the inclusion of access to compassionate leave in clause 47 in the case of a stillborn child or miscarriage in line uh, with the NES change. Uh, and lastly, we have parental leave. So this is clause 50. Uh, parental leave has been updated to include flexible long uh, parental leave, stillborn child or the death of a child, uh, hospitalised uh, children and employees who uh, cease to have responsibility of the care of the child. Um, again, these are all um, NES changes. And I think lastly, there were some changes in Part H, Education and Related Matters. 
uh, yep, so that was clause 56. Uh, the continuing uh, professional development allowance um, has been retained. However, it has been indexed by 2% and payable only once on commencement of the agreement. Uh, I believe that is all the changes we um, thought were appropriate to highlight to employers. Perfect. Thanks, Charlene, for taking us through the information. I think it was quite good to highlight those for members. Thank you.